Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. It's that time of year. It seems like there's a Christmas party everywhere. Work, school, neighborhoods, and even shopping malls. And around all our New Hope campuses, it's as if everybody is getting ready for a party. A Christmas party fit for a king. That's the current series that Dr. Benji Kelly is leading us through. So grab your pen and paper, and here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. How you guys doing? You doing good? Hey, so um, on the count of three, I want us to yell as loud as we can to say Merry Christmas and welcome all of our other campuses, which I will mention by name in just a moment. But I want you guys at the campuses to say it, and we're saying it to you, and let's just have a global moment of Merry Christmas. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. It is so Good to be with you uh, today. I'm just excited to be here. I'm so excited to celebrate Christmas with you. I mean, I put on a bow tie. Get you some of that. This is not normal. But uh, anyway, I want to look into the uh, camera here and just welcome my peeps down in Columbia, South Carolina. I love you, Columbia campus. Been praying for you. So excited about what the future holds for the Columbia campus. People down in the Sand Hills with the Sanford campus. Wanna, oh, we got some Sanford people up in here today. want to welcome you guys. I'm talking about the Internet campus, wherever you are around the world watching this worship celebration. Garner campus in the Water Tower town. Got some Garner people up in here as well. Uh, the Daughters of the King, North Carolina Correctional Institute. Women, let me tell you something about God. God goes behind bars. And we love you ladies at North Carolina Correctional Institute. Let's see. Did I miss any? Did I miss any? I think I got it. Garner and last but sure. Oh, North Raleigh. Whoa. Oh. Oh, yeah, we got a lot of North Raleigh people over here. So North Raleigh campus as well. And then last but surely not least, Durham Central Campus. Welcome. We Yeah, absolutely. You can clap again. Welcome. So, so glad that you are here for this sacred night. Um, we got kids. We got kids. We got kids in the house at all of our campuses. This is a family oriented worship service and i love christmas each year when we have the kids in the house so kids i want you to kind of engage with me as much as possible um i want to ask you a question kids children hey do you guys like christmas lights yeah Yeah, they like christmas lights well that's a good thing because you have no idea how much stress they cause us parents when we try to put a hey anybody i mean you just can't stand when there's that one strand you know what I'm saying? You got it all ready to go, man. And there's one strand. And I don't know if it's like this with new lights, but with the old lights, dude, if you had a bad strand, it like ruined the rest of the strands after that. And so um, I want to talk to you, though, because you probably picked up on that theme, lights. And what I want you to know on the very front end today, if you're not real familiar with the Bible, is that there is this, there is this biblical strand of lights that runs throughout the entire Bible. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, there is this strand that makes it clear to the people of God that ours is a God of light. 
Amen? Ours is a God of light. And in Him, come on church, there is no darkness. God is a God of light. You see this in the Old Testament. You see this in the New Testament. What I want to do is try to kind of get us to embrace this idea because what I want you to know is there's not always been complete light. In fact, there have been periods along the way where humanity has experienced utter darkness. I think of a period of time that you might not be familiar with, but it's the time between the Testaments. In fact... It's the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament and scholars and theologians for errors have talked about this being the silent age. And the reason this was the silent age is because, listen to me, church, for 400 years, God was silent. Imagine it. No word from God. No prophets were preaching. God was silent. And as a result, those 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament were some of the darkest days known to humanity. You see, we have a tendency to look at the world today and say, oh, it's spiraling out of control, and I believe it is. But we look at the world and we say, oh, it's never been darker. But the truth is, the truth is that Throughout the history of humanity, there's always been darkness. Nations have always waged against nations. Humanity has always had a proclivity for selfishness and meanness and violence. We as human beings created in God's image have always had this propensity to worship self with narcissistic tendencies. But what Christmas is all about, the good news of Christmas is that God, after 400 years of darkness, God decided to pierce the darkness once and for all and send forth a baby born of a virgin Born in Bethlehem, the Christ child who would grow up and later declare, I am the light of the world. I don't know if you've ever realized this before, but for the more astute biblical readers in here, you've probably noticed the similarities between Genesis chapter 1 and the gospel of John Chapter 1, they are eerily similar. Watch this. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of the God, I love this imagery, the spirit of God was what? Hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be, help me out church, let there be what? Light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. Genesis 1, the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible. God just speaks life. He speaks life and he creates life and he speaks light. 
From there you read through the Bible and you experience this strand of light that is always associated with God and then you get to the Gospel of John chapter 1. The Bible says this. In the beginning, notice the similarities. In the beginning was the, what is it? And the Word was with? And the Word was? He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was, what is it? In Him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. I love some of your translations that will say, the darkness has not comprehended it. I want to speak to you today about this notion that God is light. And the more we know about light, the more we can really know about God. And the more we know about God, the more we can know about light. I I so vividly remember studying at Carolina um, in a pharmacy program, pharmacy school at Carolina, that would be the University of South Carolina. I, I didn't even know there was another Carolina until I moved to this area in 1994. But I was at the University of South Carolina. I was in pharmacy school. And I still remember so vividly studying this concept, this notion of light. And that light actually travels at 186 thousand miles per second what's interesting though is the more you study light physicists can't really tell you what they mean by light sure they can talk about it radiating energy and the like but but light is very difficult to explain in similar ways so is god which is probably why the bible makes this connection between god and Light. So here's what I want to do today. I want to talk to you about three things and then we're going to be done. It's pretty simple. I want to talk to you about sight. Everybody say sight. I want to talk to you about life. Everybody say life. And I want to talk to you about purpose. Everybody say purpose. Now from the top, sight, life, and purpose. What is it? Sight, life, and purpose. Take out those teaching notes if you're a note taker. Open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 1. We've already read the scripture, but it still would be nice if you want to take some notes in your Bible. Here's the first thing I want to talk to you about. Light gives sight. Light gives what? Light gives sight. Now I know that I know that's not very advanced, but come on, let me just talk to you about that for a moment. The reality is that's a good thing to start out with when you're talking about God. Ours is a God who can give us the sight that we need to live this life and see things as God sees them. Light gives us sight. How many of you have been walking around your house or your apartment at night without a light on and you stubbed your toe? Now that is a bad day. How many of you, moment of confession, how many of you when you did that said things you should not have said? You are absolved, forgiven in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. See, light, light gives sight. And and Isaiah in the Old Testament would actually pick up on this. In Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 2. Come on, let's read this out together. Isaiah 9, verse 2. Ready? Go. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Let's continue. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has what? Dawned. Light gives sight. And without sight, 
We are lost. And what the Bible is really teaching us here, and I just want to be real clear here, because some of you I know are probably new and you're visiting from out of town and you're not sure about the whole Christianity thing. You're not even sure you're a Christian. And I want to let you know we're so glad you're here. Welcome to New Hope Church. But here's what the Bible is saying. The Bible is making it clear that, is, that there are basically two groups on the planet, two groups of people. I know this might sound, uh, you know, overly broad stroking, but just stick with me here for a moment. There are those who know Christ and know God as the light of the world, and they actually, as a result of knowing Christ, having the Holy Spirit, knowing the Word of God, Psalm 105 says that thy word is a lamp unto my feet. There are those people who see the world one way. And there's a whole other group of people who have not experienced God as the light of the world, and they see the world entirely different. And the thing I would ask you today, just for a moment to reflect upon is, where do you need God to give you 2020 vision? I want to create a time and a space toward the end of the service for you to ask God, hey, God, I need you to shore up some vision for me. God, I've kind of gotten a little blurry on some things. Maybe you're hearing the truth is you've got some relationships in your life and they are jacked up. And you don't even know how to, you don't even know how to handle it anymore. Like, I can relate. Hello. And I'm not going to ask you to raise any hands at any of our campuses because those jacked up relationships might be sitting right beside you right now. So we're not going to go there. But maybe, maybe you're here and, and, and you're in a dating relationship and you need God to just give you sight. Maybe you're here and you've got some vocational decisions to make and you need God's light to come in and help you see things clearly maybe you're here and you're a young person and and your sexuality has kind of just gotten all blurred you don't know how to handle these things or you don't even know how to handle what you're feeling and you don't know what you need to do when you need to do it where you need to do it and how you need to do it maybe you just need god to restore some sight in your life and christmas is a great time to worship Jesus, to receive the greatest Christmas gift ever given, and then to ask God to kind of give you some sight. Here's the second thing, life. The second thing is life. What is it? Life. We read this verse of Scripture earlier, and I I don't know if it slipped right by you, but it's an incredible verse of Scripture. It's John 4, John 1, 4. John 1, 4, out loud. Come on, you read it all so well last time. Let's read this out loud together at all of our campuses. Ready, go. In him was, and that was the, oh, great job. From the top, nonstop. Ready, go. In him was life, and that life was the, oh, man. In him, in Jesus was life, and that life was the light of men. If you're taking notes, write it in. Light gives life. Light gives life. And those of you who are here, you got a green thumb, right? You grow stuff. You know this better than anybody. You aren't going to grow anything if you don't have light. I was outside earlier this year in the summertime, and uh, we got an old house, and therefore we got old trees, and some trees have gotten really, really big. And I noticed that some parts of my yard, the lawn, had started to die. I'm like, what is up with that? And then I was out there one day, a few weeks later, and I realized what had happened. The trees had grown so much, they were blocking the sunlight from parts of my lawn. 
So I did what any good southern boy would do. I got a chainsaw out in the name of Jesus. And I didn't cut the whole tree down. Tree, tree lovers, hold tight. Take it easy. I didn't cut the whole tree down. I knocked some branches down and got light back on the situation. Light gives life. And so similarly, I would want to ask you today this question. Where do you need God to bring some life back in your soul? It's a good question to ask in and around Christmas. If light gives life, where where is it inside your soul that maybe you've started to feel a little, I don't know, death, decay? Where is it? I'm not talking about eternal life. I'll talk about that in a moment because if you're here, man, and you don't know Jesus and God is tugging at your heart tonight and you feel led to give your life to Christ, nothing would make me more thrilled than to pray with you about that. But I'm not talking about that right now. I'm just talking about the areas in your soul where what you need more than anything is the great physician. That's what the Bible calls God. The great physician to come in and maybe surgically do a work in your soul and breathe into you some life where is that maybe that's physically maybe that's relationally maybe that's emotionally where maybe that's sexually where where does god need to breathe in and give you resurrection life you do know don't you that john 10 10 jesus says i have come that you might have life and have it what church more abundantly where do you need god to give you greater life, more abundant life this Christmas season. We're going to pray about that in a moment. Here, here's the third thing. I told you that the first thing was what? Sight. The second thing was life. Here, here's the third thing. i got to tell you, man, this, is, this one excites me as much as any of them. Because I think that if I had the sight of God and I could see the way God sees, that's one thing. And I believe that if I have life and I feel alive and inside, that's one thing. But, but if I don't have a purpose to live for, I'm talking about a capital P purpose. Now, come on, I don't know about you, but I will admit it in front of all of you. I just think life becomes one, one dang thing after another. Come on, am I all alone? I mean, if all there is to this world, come on, come on, is paying bills, going to work, getting up in the morning, right? Brushing your teeth with the same old toothpaste. You do brush your teeth, don't you? Praise God. Looking in the same mirror, walking into the same kitchen, getting in the same car. Come on, come on, come on. For some of us, this is reality. Going to the same workplace, doing the same thing, coming home. Looking at the same wife, hello. <laughs> looking at the same husband, hello. Going back in that same bathroom, looking at that same sink, brushing those same teeth with that same toothpaste. Come on, man. Life, life just becomes one darn thing after another. Am, am, am I talking to anybody up here today? I mean, think about eating, eating. I mean, how, how many different ways can you eat chicken? Talk to the meat lovers, not the vegetarians. I'll get to you in a moment. I mean, how many different ways can you eat chicken, beef, and pork? Chicken, beef, and pork. Chicken, beef, and pork. It gets a little old. You know what I'm saying? Vegetarians, how many, how many different vegetables can you eat? My, my point is, at the end of the day, if life is all about just what we're experiencing here, I, I'll go ahead and say it again. Count me out. But this one, this last one, 
Light gives us purpose. Light gives us what? Light gives us purpose. A great verse of scripture, the prophet Isaiah again, as he looked to the coming of the Christ, he said this in Isaiah 60 and 1. Read it out loud with me. Ready, church? Go, arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord, what? Rises upon you. Arise, shine, your light, Jesus, has come. This, this is, if you ask me again, I'm just being very transparent with you here today. This, this to me is what takes life to a high definition living. This is when life takes on a profound meaning and we actually have something to get up out of bed and live for. Some of you are here today and the truth is you're so sick of life, which you haven't done yet. And I'm inviting you to do it today. I'm inviting you to make 2015 this year banner year for you. Some of you haven't realized yet that there is a greater purpose for you. There is a capital P purpose for you to live. And I'm sitting out here looking at you. And if I might say so myself, you're a successful group of people. You look incredibly successful, but here's what you have found out, as I have found out. Success at the end of the day will leave you wanting. Some of you have gotten all the success you ever dreamed of, and you still lay your head down at night, and you can't sleep, and you stare at the ceiling, and you think, is this all there is to it? Troy Aikman, not even in my notes, I just feel like to share this. Troy Aikman, Dallas Cowboys quarterback, commentator now. Lived his whole life wanting to win a Super Bowl. The day after he won his Super Bowl, he sat in his home by himself drinking a six-pack of beer. And he thought to himself, is this all there is to it? See, what many of us need to realize is that because Christ has come, because that light has dawned, We actually get to move from success. There's nothing wrong with success. But we get to move from success, write this down, to significance. From what? Success to what? Significance. And some of you came just for that. That's not even anywhere in my notes, but I just feel the Spirit leading me to say that to you today. Some of you, what you need more than anything in 2015 is you need to start looking at life and figuring out, how do I stop living for success and start living for significance? And there is no greater significance in all the world than to let your light shine for God. I got the kids up in here, so I just feel led to say that. A a song, a a nursery rhyme comes to mind. I didn't grow up in the church, as many of you did. But when you did, you probably learned a song in Sunday school. Um, This little light of mine. This little light of mine. Come on. Oh, look at you. This little light of mine. Come on. Woo. Oh, we got it going on. And, and, I, and I don't know what you. I, oh, y'all ready to keep going. Y'all ready to have a revival up in here with this little light of mine. That you, yeah, well, and I didn't grow up in the church. Seriously, I didn't, I didn't know about God or Jesus or anything until I was 18 years old and God wrecked my life. Um, and But I, 
I, when I became a, a, a student pastor, <laughs> one of the jobs that fell on me as a student pastor was I got to lead the children in vacation Bible school. So I learned that song for the very first time at the age of 20. And my favorite part was when we got to verse 2. Hide it under a bushel. Oh, that was good. That was good. But I think you got more in you. I think you got more in you. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to. See? See? Some of the greatest things we learned. We learned as kids. And children, look at me, children, look at me, look at me, children, children, all the, all the children at all the campuses. One of the greatest things you can do early on in life is realize the greatest thing you will do has nothing to do with what college you go to. The greatest thing you, you will do in life has nothing to do with your earning power or the square footage of your home or the kind of car you drive. The greatest thing you will ever do at your life is let your light shine for Jesus. Jesus, he grew up. Many of you know where he was born. Jesus was born. Right, right. Some of you are going, it's a trick question. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's really not. <laughs> he was born in Bethlehem. He didn't stay there long. He was raised in Nazareth. But once he started his ministry at the age of 30, Jesus who became and said, I am the light of the world in John chapter 8, he lived his ministry in and around an area called the Sea of Galilee. Now, I hope some of you will go with me. I take a trip every two years to, to the Sea of Galilee, the whole first century Palestinian area. This year, I'm taking a group to the Journeys of Paul. So what I do is every other year, I rotate off. I'll do the Pauline epistles, and then the next year, I'll do the footsteps of Jesus. And um, I've been to where Jesus lived and was born and was crucified, and he did his ministry. I've been to all those areas. But I've got to tell you, the most beautiful area of all of those areas is the Sea of Galilee. Like, the first time I went to the Sea of Galilee, I'm like, yeah, Jesus. I see why you did your ministry up here. I mean, the place is one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Not, that's just not pe- preacher talk. I've done a lot of traveling. I'm telling you, the Sea of Galilee is gorgeous. Bethlehem, mm, Jerusalem, it's madness and chaos. Nazareth, as the Bible says, nothing good came out of Nazareth. But the Sea of Galilee. And I'm going to show you a picture in just a moment. But first I want to share some scripture with you. In Jesus' most famous sermon ever... It was called the Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, it's the most popular sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. He's with his 12 disciples and he's teaching this incredible Sermon on the Mount. And people just start coming from all over. And in Matthew 5, he says something very related to this whole idea of letting your light shine. He says this in Matthew 5, and you've been reading Scripture so great today, I want you to read it out loud with me. Ready? Go. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Continue. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your in. So Jesus is there in and around the Sea of Galilee. Tiberius is off in the distance. Again, unbelievable beauty in this part of the world. 
As you look toward Tiberias, and you know where Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, all biblical scholars of any reputation and historians can all agree on this. Jesus is teaching this. Sermon on the Mount where antiquity tells us he's teaching it. He's looking out toward this area. And I want to show you the Sea of Galilee with the sun setting. I just want to show you something. And this is the Sea of Galilee. Now, when I say sea, many of you think it's this big sea or ocean. No, 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 no. It really would be commensurate with what we would consider a lake. But it's been called the Sea of Galilee. So it's not that big. That's looking toward Tiberias. The sun is going down. That's the hillside that, that Jesus was just talking about. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, you let your light shine. And then he says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now watch this. Sun goes down. There's the city. It was a real live biblical lesson that Jesus was showing them. Jesus said, listen, look at, and, and they would look over there. The, this city goes way back before the days of Jesus. So Jesus is there and he's teaching them. And, and, and they would look at this every night. The people who lived in and around the Sea of Galilee, they knew that city lit up. And Jesus says, look, no one would light a lamp on that city hill on there and then put it under a bowl or a bushel. But instead, take it off. Let your light shine. Where do you need to let God use you in 2015? Again, some of you are here, and I'm afraid it's it's just so true. I see it all the time. We grow up, we get old, we turn into boring adults, we go to work, and we forget that God, Almighty God, has a purpose for your life, and it is so that you will shine your light. So that what? People will praise God. Your Father who is in heaven. Listen to me, church. A candle isn't there to illuminate itself. The church is so guilty of lighting ourselves. The light is not supposed to light itself. The church isn't a refuge from the world. The church is a refuge for the world. Come on now. The church has been guilty in the past of turning the wagons in. Holy huddle. Us four, no more. The rest of the world can go to hell. Yeah, we're going to shine our lights, but we're going to shine it up in here. No! We are to go into the world and shine our lights for Christ. And follow me here and then I'm done. The paradox of being set in dark places is that the darker the place, come on, the brighter the light. Have you ever thought this through? The darker it is, the more powerful the light The deep darkness, in the deep darkness, you don't need a big searchlight. You don't need a Q-beam. You just need to let your little light shine. And it will dispel darkness. Unfortunately, all too often, the church has become the bowl, hello, or the bushel under which we hide our lights. The Bible tells us, get out with a bold faith and let Your light shine amidst culture sin that we see everywhere. Let your light shine in a world that, yes, is getting darker and darker, but I'm just crazy enough to believe that if you shine your light, and you shine your light, and you shine your light, and I shine my light, we can actually dispel some darkness and make this world a better place. Does anybody believe it with me? Does anybody believe it 
with me. I find it interesting that Christmas rolls around every year right around the winter solstice. You all know what the winter solstice is. It's the shortest days of the year that we have right here among us now. It is that astronomical phenomenon where the days get shorter, the nights get longer. I find that fascinating. In fact, the winter solstice this year was December 21st, just a few days ago. On top of that, we've been having some pretty dreary weather. Hello? On top of that, you watch the news or read the websites or just read a newspaper. I know that nobody does that anymore. But anyway, it's pretty dark out there, church. And it's enough to cause you to get a little sad. It's enough to cause you to get a little down. I know, I know. But I just stopped by to tell you Christmas 2014 that God still has a plan for you and he still has a plan for me. And if we get enough people shining our lights, we really can push back the darkness and make a difference in this world. I believe that. And now I want to pray with you and give you a chance children too, to just pray with God and you share what's on your heart as we get ready to wrap this up and move into a new year. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for Christmas. I'm just so, so thankful, God, that I get to celebrate it and do life with men and women and children like those of the New Hope Movement. Father, I pray for the man or the woman or the child or the student here, God. And the truth is they, man, they know they're not shining their lights, God. They've, they've matured. They've got busy. They've moved on to different things. And the truth is there's something gnawing on the inside of them. And what they really need is a new year, God. They need a new purpose. They need a new passion. God, thank you that your word is crystal clear on this, that our greatest passion, our greatest purpose in all the world is to let our lights shine for you, God. So I pray for every person here. Maybe you're here and the whole success to significance struck a deep chord with you. Why don't you take a moment right now and just share your heart with God. Tell him how you want to be used in the new year. Tell him how you want 2015 to be different. Yes, even better than 2014. Maybe 2014 was awful for you. And what you need more than anything is a new year. If you know what I mean. God, we want to be used by you. Hear the prayers of your people. Maybe you're here and there's areas in your life where you just don't see clearly anymore. Your vision has just gotten blurry. You need God to, to bring a fresh view into perspective. Where is it do you, that you need God to help you see things the right way? Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's how in the world do I raise these children, God? Maybe 
it's vocational. Which way do I go, God? Maybe it's educational. What's my major, God? How can I best serve you? Tell them where you need sight. Maybe you're here and there's just an area of your life, maybe one, maybe two, maybe more. You just feel dead. You used to be alive there and it's just something's dying on the inside. You need the great physician to come in and breathe into you the breath of life. You need resurrection deep in your soul. Tell him where it is. Tell him what it is. He's as close as the very air you're breathing right now. Share your heart with him. Give him your life. Maybe you came here and you're already saved. There's no better time to to rededicate your life to Christ than at Christmas. There might not have been any room for Him in the end, but I'm here to tell you, beloved, there's room for everyone at the manger. Give Him your life. Maybe you're here and you've never been saved. Somebody invited you or you followed a sign or magnets on cars or you saw us on television. Something drew you to this place. Something drew you to one of our campuses. And you know that you need to be saved. You know that you need a relationship with God. You know that your sins are many. And you need forgiveness. You need grace upon grace upon grace. That's you. Here's what you pray. You you pray a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about these words. There's nothing formulaic about it. But you just pray, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to planet Earth. God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for showing us the example and the way to live in your word. And God, even though I might not be familiar with it, I'm going to familiarize myself with your word. Thank you for dying on a blood-stained cross for me after you grew in wisdom and stature and taught us the ways of God. You died on a blood-stained cross that my sins could be forgiven. So I receive you, Jesus. The best gift of Christmas. It's not found around a tree. It's not found in anything I receive from a mere mortal and it's not found in anything I give. found when you, Lord God, walked down the stairway of heaven with a baby in your arms. We receive you tonight, Lord Jesus. Be our Lord. Be our Savior. Be our light. We will follow you from this day forward to the very best of our abilities. We love you tonight, Lord Jesus.
the light of the world. We pray all of this. The strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen and amen and amen. So campuses, I'm going to turn it back over to your campus pastors and your worship leaders. And they're actually going to lead you in the very same song that we're about to sing together. And as they do, remember that we are all in this together. And your light and my light and our lights together truly can make a difference. Hey, I love you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas and New Year. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you would like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, please stop by one of our six campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopenc.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org. And our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. We hope you'll join us next week. God bless and thank you for being a part of our church family.